Hello and welcome to Kicking Tires. My name is Jimmy. And I'm Justin. And we start off today with more Porsche news because we didn't get enough last week. Oh, that's it's not a Porsche. bit of a bit of the same, but a little carryover. Brand new model for Porsche, which is kind of unique. Oh, brand new trim. Yes, brand new trim. Uh, we don't get these too often, especially with their SUVs. Um, you know, this generation we saw the launch of the coupe version. Look at that spoiler! <laughs> so ugly. I saw it in, in person. It looks not this one, but I saw a, a coupe in person with the spoiler extended. I thought it was the yeah. ugliest thing ever. It looks like that childhood toy of that. Not, I don't know if it's Transformers, but like you crash it and then it expands. Oh, it expands yeah, all the yeah, doors yeah, yeah. and the, yeah, yeah, that that car model that we all had. Uh, that's what it kind of looks like. But yeah, as Ugly spoiler aside, I mean, I'm sure it's functional being a Porsche. Um, but yeah, the Turbo GT model, what is so special about this car? Uh, so it's really the high performance track oriented version of the Cayenne Turbo. So this, the GT now, it's 631 horsepower, which is 90 more than the regular Turbo Coupe. And there's 626 pound feet of torque up from 567. So yes, it's faster. Uh, Porsche claims zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds. And as Porsche always is, uh, that's it, that, like, that's going to be an understated number. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to be like a 2.8 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, quarter mile, 11.6 with a top speed of 186. So it should be quite a quick vehicle. Ooh, carbon fiber roof. Look at that. Wow. As you know, you really need that in your 5,000 or 6,000 pound SUV, however much it weighs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty, it's kind of compelling. I mean, but it's an expensive one. Like it's, it's <laughs> supercar money for a SUV that you'll never really drive it to what it's built for. It's for bragging rights at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Bragging rights, but bragging rights is important, as we'll touch on later on uh, in this episode. But um, I, I think they could have done a little bit more with the exterior styling. Just make it that GT car, right? Like, I know people, some people, the purists are going to be anti, you know, this is a SUV. You know, just as when the Cayenne first came out, uh, everyone was kind of, yeah, you know, that that car is is blasphemy for a lot of diehard Porsche guys. And then eventually every, everyone softens up a little bit. I think uh, Porsche absolutely nailed it with the Cayenne. And yeah, this is just, they're pushing the boundaries of what what we think is uh, kind of a norm and what people do with luxury SUVs. Um, and they've, they've proved it before that, that there is some kind of demand for these these types of vehicles. I'm pretty sure Cayenne is their best-selling vehicle right now. Oh, for sure. And it's absolutely saved this brand yeah. in 20 years ago. Would it be better if they called it the Porsche Cayenne GT5? Uh, <laughs> GT5 <laughs> is not a thing, so... That's uh, perfect. We'll create a new class. You got the GT one, two, three, four. This is can be the GT five. Be perfect. <laughs> um, there's 
are these 22 or 23 inch wheels 22 inch i think with pirelli p0 corsa yeah and the gold trim gold i think that is a bold color and it works on this nardo i don't think it's nardo gray but it's yeah, like can't call it nardo gray it's not an Audi. yeah <laughs> arctic cool. gray they call it I, arctic gray i like how they're so detailed in their their blurb here so like they say the front wheels are one inch wider compared to the regular Cayenne Turbo and negative camber has been increased by 0.45 of a degree to allow those specially developed 22 inch wheels to have maximum contact patch. Yeah, 0.45 of a degree. There's less wheel gap on this car than like a lot of sports cars and sedans and whatnot. Like the new G80 has as much wheel gap as is the new M3. <laughs> oh, I thought you said G80. I was thinking. Oh, Genesis. yeah, no, not the Genesis. I was like, what? I mean, that has a lot of wheel gap. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, the new G80 BMW. Um, but yeah, no, this thing is is pretty damn low to the ground. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, as I said previously, Coupe SUVs is more like just a high riding sedan these days than a coupe SUV. Like, if you take a look at a silhouette, it's definitely not a coupe because there's four doors. It's a sedan or a hatchback, notchback, but it's basically just a high-riding sedan. That's what it's come down yeah. to. Now. I do like the roof line. I, I actually, the Cayenne Coupe, I think, is is the best in terms of like proportions like if you look at it dead on from the side it looks kind of like a panamera which looks well, there's a little bit of trick here with the uh the spoiler the line, eh? yeah because if you look at the gray the gray slopes down and that's what you'll see and the sloping effect that is very like 911-esque or mm -hmm. panamera-esque but the roof line if you look at the uh, actual roof itself it actually goes behind or just above the uh, rear wheel and yeah. then it slopes back down. Yeah. So it's and very it's similar trend. to like a Mach-E, how it has that yeah. bit. And the Jaguars do it, and I think, uh, who else does it? But I, yeah, I know Jaguar does it a little bit with their I-E-Pace? I don't know which one it's called. Anyway, I can't, their naming is beyond me. Um, but yeah, the I do like the rear end. I think, I think the front end is a little bit too blunt now with all the new curves with the coupe yeah. um but yeah no cool car super fast yeah what else to say <laughs> that's that's really it let's move on to something that we can cover in super fast way uh honda uh the prologue suv begins the next chapter in the brand's ev direction so essentially honda um as they have paired with gm they're going to be using gm's um old Ultium? Is it Ultium? Ultium battery pack. Um, and it's going to develop an SUV style um, electric, like full battery electric vehicle by 2024. Um, and we'll probably see a luxury variant for Acura, but it's going to be their first like full EV. Actually, did they have a full EV before? They uh, might have like, like Honda? city cars. Yeah, yeah they not had a here, city. but uh, yeah. Yeah, they had a little city thing. I remember they had one of those little city cars, and that was full electric. But this is like going to be their their mass market full battery electric vehicle. 
um, because they want to have 100% of all auto sales in North America uh, be electric by 2040. So this is kind of like the start of it. Yeah, yeah. I know so, they have the Honda E in, in the rest of the world, the little hatchback. Oh, yeah, thing. right. There's that as well. That thing looks so cool, but it's expensive and it's not that good uh, yeah, from what I remember. It's it's like a it's like a Mini Cooper, that one. It looks cool. It's unique, but it's not. it doesn't have the biggest range. It's not the biggest on the inside. There's like, it's more of a fashion item than an actual, yes. you know. Yeah. It's yeah. very retro and it, it's cool, but it's not going to change the market as far as EVs go. No, uh, but, um, yeah, but this Honda. one here, this one here, um, from rumors and everything else, people say it's going to be about CRV size, which is yeah, which makes sense uh, because CRV is Honda's like biggest seller. Yeah, right. So it makes sense to have your first electric vehicle in SUV and CRV size. Yeah. So this will compete with the B4Z EV or whatever it's called from Toyota. <laughs> BMW Z4. <laughs> you remember? You had a you had an anagram for it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> B- BMW Z4 X Drive. <laughs> so it's a BZ4X. Um, but yeah, no CRV size is perfect because that is like the Goldilocks size car right it's not too small for a lot of people and it's not too big for a lot of people and when you're going into ev you're kind of going in with an open mind that's why the model 3 is selling so well you know a lot of people weren't looking for a four-door sedan but pricing function uh range and it just ended up fitting people's needs more than you thought and it's just amazing how that car has taken off um because the market told us and all the car journalists are like, no one wants a four-door sedan anymore. And obviously there is a Model Y, but the Model 3 kind of justified the four-door sedan thing all over again. Like it's, it's kind of uh, where its position is is perfect. Um, yeah, so I think this size of vehicle is going to make sense. Honda really needs it. They've been... They've been a laughing stock in terms of electric vehicles. Like honestly, their hybrid tech and their their EV tech, they're lagging behind. And them being kind of a real engineer focused company, they need to do better. And I think that's why they've reached out to GM yet again. So this is like the Saturn View red line all over again. <laughs> my, my favorite Saturn vehicle of all time. Best Saturn. Um, yeah, that was 15 years ago when GM came looking for a, a really good V6, and I guess that's yeah. that's the love child of that relationship. Uh, hopefully, the Prologue does a little bit better than a V Redline, but mm, uh, does a little bit better than last time Honda asked GM for some transmissions. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> <laughs> that's still that's still like a like a I don't know what you call it, but it's still. A pockmark on Honda's history. Yeah, I think they 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 haven't recovered from that reputation. But yeah, Honda used to be such a a cutting edge engineering company, and they've I don't know how, but they've really lagged behind with with EV. I mean, you, know, you see companies like Hyundai, and you're like, okay, they're never that forward thinking when it comes to the actual engineering with features yes interior trim sure but engineering no but honda you know that was their bread and butter for 
the longest time. And I think the last decade, they just haven't pushed the boundaries enough. Okay. I just want to go over this real quick. I mean, if you ever take a look at Honda's website, all right, let's just take a look at the cars that they have for the 2021 and 2022 lineup. This is a very sad lineup. I think like we talked about this off the air, but like the only new car that's recent is the Civic Sedan. The Accord got updated, I think, like three years back now. That's still pretty relevant. Uh, but the Civic Sedan is the newest one. Uh, yeah. The rest of the range is pretty black. Like there's really nothing that's in this entire lineup that people yeah. really want anymore. The clarity is dying. Uh, they kill that off. Uh, because this is not doing well enough. Yeah, there's just nothing with it. They haven't timed their their market launches well. So right now we're looking at a bunch of we have six models under their SUVs and trucks and minivans, and they're all old models. Like they're all legacy models that there's they're not that competitive anymore, yeah. and they're all soon to be replaced. But we're just in an awkward spot with Honda right now that it's like. We've got facelifts here and there, but the facelifts, you know, they can only get you so far. Yeah, the, um, the Ridgeline and the Odyssey did get a facelift. I, I must say the Ridgeline facelift looks really good, um, but it's <laughs> okay. it, it's just a facelift, right? Like, it's not really going to do much. Yeah. Yeah, no, and they, 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 I feel like it's just product planning. It's just weak product planning on their part. Yeah. The Passport no one's really as excited about that as well honda is excited about it but no one else really yeah. cares about it because it's just no. rejuvenating an old model which is the pilot which has been around since what 2016 2015 something like that yeah yeah I mean, it's it's the pilot with the rear end chopped off so you don't get the third row yeah, yeah. Like, japanese automakers used to only keep their vehicles around for about four four and a half years yeah. and these models are long in the tooth now um yeah yeah, yeah unfortunately it's kind of sad hopefully honda can step it up with this new electric vehicle but it won't be in any showrooms till 2024 so we yeah. definitely still got a, a ways to go hopefully we'll see a new crv soon um as a civic sedan it's refreshed generally right after that is a crv um and we can see some of the future um looking at like the civic sedan as well as the new civic hatch like yes is a little bland and boring from the outside uh but the inside looks good like the material looks good so there's still some saving grace there but it, i honestly you know i i can't wait for the next crv because when this mm. crv came out i thought it was the best SUV that you can buy at that I time. thought so too. And a lot of my friends are like, it's so ugly. I think it looks good. I think it's good looking SUV. And it's yeah. so practical. And Super I know practical. like I know some people that got the RAV4. I'm like, why do you pick a RAV4 over a CRV? They're like, we don't like the way the CRV looks. I'm like, really? I'm the, like, I don't know. The only reason I would pick a RAV4 over a CRV is because of the hybrid powertrain. Yeah, you got to um, be Canada, a hybrid or a prime. Yeah. Yeah, in high in Canada here, you can't get the CRV in a hybrid. Um, it's only available in the U.S. Don't know why. 
Uh, there's never been an actual release on why that's happened, but yeah, and I mean that that right there is the best indicator of how far Honda has lagged behind, because you look at crossovers now and you just want to get the hybrid or the prime, and nothing else even compares, like not even close. But the thing is, Toyota's did this like almost over five, six years ago. I mean, we've had hybrid RAV4s for a while now. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you didn't see it coming. It's just you you just weren't able to predict the market. And I think, yeah. or you didn't want to spend the money. And I think they're hurting because of that. I think everyone else is behind in terms of that. Um, and look at Toyota cuts corners like no tomorrow too. Like they can cheap out so much on their cars because the tech is there, the engineering is there. They, they certainly can. But I think yeah. uh, I think Hyundai is the the brand to look out for. I mean, they have right, with the uh, new hybrid. a hybrid and plug-in hybrid for the new Tucson as well as the new Santa Fe. Like it's going to be a huge deal because you can't get a plug-in. Uh, hybrid for the Highlander. Mm. Right? You can only get a hybrid version. The only plug-in hybrid that Toyota makes right now is the RAV4. They said in the pr previous press release that they are going to make more Prime models, but it's kind of a when, right? Um, yeah. We see that on the Prius. We see that on the RAV4, which, of course, is their kind of two biggest hybrid vehicles of, in terms of sellers. Highlander is going to be a close third after that. So it would make sense for a Highlander Prime to come out after and then maybe a Sienna Prime, but that's going to yeah. be in the very distinct future. Yeah, I mean, I think they have it. They have the technology and they, they probably have planned to put it in. They're just like weighing the pros and the cons and especially with... Uh, supplier limitations these days yeah. it's it's it maybe it makes sense to just kind of delay stuff and there's no real competition at the moment so it's it's kind of okay you don't want to be losing sales but who are you really going to lose sales to exactly speaking of plug-in hybrids that's really interesting ferrari has a, a plug-in hybrid for you yes the 296 gtb no uh fun name here it's just the gtb <laughs> totally fine. I yeah. don't don't mind that at all. Uh, but this is yeah. this is quite interesting. So it's a, a brand new V6 plug-in hybrid architecture. Um, I mean, most Ferraris these days are either V8s or V12s, uh, but this is brand new, a V6 in a Ferrari. So it's kind of capturing like a little bit of that Dino of the past, but it's still a mid-engine. It's still a two-seater. And it's like the baby variant, just below like the SF90. But it's really not a baby, right? Because yeah, no, 819 horsepower. That's a lot of power for a baby Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's priced at that baby. Well, I quote unquote price at that um, level because in Europe, the MSRP is going to be a little bit over the equivalent of 320 US dollars, 320,000 US dollars. Now that is kind of reasonable as far as supercars start. Now that is a Ferrari. So you're going to have a lot of options. There is already, a, I think, a Fiorano package that drives it up like quite significantly, like an M3's worth. But um, yeah, the base price 
getting 800 horsepower i think that is a bargain um and it it's got a plug-in hybrid it's got range electric range of 25k um now the, the only thing about this car i think that the styling is dull to me i don't know about you i'm just trying to pull up a good photo i mean there's only two on this page for whatever reason um it's 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 okay i think it's better than some of the the later ferraris um I, like I said, I'm not a big fan of like the 488 because I feel like the 48 was it, it didn't look enough different than the 458. The 458 looked great when it came up, but the 488 yeah. it's just kind of bland, right? Um, but then Ferrari introduced a Roma, and I love the Roma. I think Roma is the best looking Ferrari in a very long time, and this has some of that styling bits. So to me, it's okay. I think it's really the back end that kind of throws me off because that back end doesn't look all that special. Yeah, the back end, it kind of looks like an older McLaren maybe. And it, it looks like something out of GTA 5, if I'm <laughs> honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm I'm so so about. I think the overall the styling, the the line is familiar. We've seen this kind of shape from Ferrari since the mid two thousands. This Berlinetta mid engine shape, um, but oh, the the arrow and the headlights and just like the overall shape is is not exciting to me. And I think that is the most important thing when you're buying a car like this. It's not how fast, you know, no one's taking it up to 205 miles per hour uh, or not a lot of people will, but it needs to look the part. It needs to be the flex. Um, so it needs to look good in front of a hotel. Exactly. You want to pull up in this and it needs to look better than the old one, which yeah. I don't think it does. The F8. Well, yeah, the Tributo, the F8 looks better. Than this, it's more aggressive. Um, the four five eight looks better than this. You think the four five eight looks better than this? <laughs> That's, that... the, the the four five eight, the four eighty, and the F eight. They all look the same to me. Like I know there's differences, there's minor things and tweaks, but they're just so similar. So to yes. me, when when I'm looking at an F eight. I'm just thinking, I'm like, hey, this this is a four five eight with some cosmetic bits added up to it. I know it's not, right? I know it's not. There's a whole lot of engineering that's gone in to the F eight to make it a lot better than the four five eight ever was. But I just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem elegant enough. Aroma is elegant, but yeah, it's elegant because of the FR design, mm -hmm. right? You got the long sweeping hood. It's a lot more elegant. Some say the Roma is like an Aston Martin, but <laughs> you know, yes. um, Aston Martin right now, the current models are kind of funky, let's say. Um. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know where they're, where their head's at with us and like the, the performance is eh, the styling is eh, the interior is eh, I, mean, I don't know. They got good engines, yeah. you know, AMG engines, but other than that, it's kind of like, I, I just i mean if i want an amg engine i'll buy an amg <laughs> like that's the thing um i guess 
maybe worth mentioning is the Maserati uh, MC20. Uh, hmm. You know, that's that's supposedly the new replacement of the. I guess is it not? It's not really the Gran Turismo replacement, but uh, we are going to see a new Gran Turismo as well. So the supercar, like I, I don't know if this is the right word to use it, but the entry level supercar market, it, we're going to see a lot more stuff coming in the in the next year or two, um, and this is one of them. But yeah, styling wise, not that excited. The performance is cool. The 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 hundred and twenty degree V six engine is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, all new <laughs> engine for this thing, and the the plug in hybrid. I think the numbers are really neat. And if you're a numbers kind of guy, this will. I think for the money, this is really really solid. Um, but yeah, it's just styling, just dull. Yeah, there's something like. When you first, when the 458 first came out, I was like, wow, that's an amazing looking vehicle. When the 430 came out, I was like, that is an, actually the 430, I was kind of still iffy on. The 360, when that came out, I was like, ooh, that's a beautiful looking vehicle. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes Ferrari, like they get it right. And there's sometimes, you know, they keep tweaking on something that's already really good to make it better. But all they did was make it different. I wouldn't say it's better. It's just different. Yeah. No, I like the 430. It's not the prettiest, but I like, like, I think it has character. It has, like, an identity to it, and it's got a face to it. It's not It's not as pretty as a 360, and it's not as pretty as a 458, but it. I still like it. But this, I'm just like, eh, this is kind of lazy. Um, yeah, yeah, not my cup of tea. But I like I like how we're talking about it. Like we're gonna buy one tomorrow. Like yeah, like we are in that market somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what we say about it. Um, yeah, no, people are still <laughs> gonna buy this, and you you need to buy this just to be a stepping stone so you can buy that Ferrari, mm. which yeah. is the new the new model is called the that Ferrari. It's not the the Ferrari the Ferrari <laughs> the Ferrari, Ferrari that was that was before the new one is that Ferrari. That Ferrari. Yeah. Or da, and then da, after da, that Ferrari. is this Ferrari. This Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> great great naming from uh, their part, but yeah. Um, let's move on to something that is. Also, of, Stellantis. Related. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> kind of has Ferrari bits and pieces to it. Um, so <laughs> it has their reliability and electronics. <laughs> <laughs> they hired the same guy to do their their, their electronics engineer. <laughs> the the one part that didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so there's a new extreme recon package for the Wrangler. So yes. you can get it for the Rubicon as well as the Rubicon 392, which mm-hmm. is the Hemi V8 version of the Rubicon. Um, but what this is, is like an like a extra package on top to make your Wrangler more off-road capable. But really, it's so that you can tell those people that bought a brand new Ford Bronco that you're better than them. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> they timed this specifically, you know, the Bronco release, we, we heard all about the Bronco a few months back, but the actual release, all the road tests, the embargoes, uh, everything came out this week, and Jeep's like, well, we got to one-up them. We've got to slightly one-up them. So in terms of the off-road figures, this thing is pretty compelling because it's got, what, 35-inch 
35 inch tires. It's got a one and a half inch lift. It's got beadlock capable wheels and uh, more aggressive axle ratio. And that leads to a, if you pair it with a manual transmission, a hundred to one crawl ratio. So that is higher than any factory off-road vehicle has ever been offered with. Uh, the automatic is only slightly behind that, um, but it's the same idea. Um, but yeah, the numbers wise, in terms of off-road figures, pure off-road figures, it is better than the Bronco. But my takeaway after watching every review so far of the Bronco is that the Bronco is just way better to live with. And the front end, like, I I don't know about you. I know you reviewed a few Wranglers. I mentioned it a few episodes back, but I just, I just cannot drive the Wrangler. It drives so terribly. The recirculating ball steering, it just feels... It's, it feels like a nonstop death wobble. I'm okay driving that <laughs> in an urban environment. Like, if I'm driving that in downtown, um, you know, below 50K... No problem. I'll I'll live with a Wrangler. But if you have any kind of highway commuting, I think the Wrangler is just it's just way too compromised. And everyone getting out of the the Bronco was just like this is this is so much more livable because it's got a more conventional front suspension chassis setup with their independent suspension, and they're able to achieve pretty much just as much articulation, if not more. And they've got like a killer sway bar disconnect system. The yeah. the Bronco like the Bronco has a crawl gear specific, so it's a seven speed manual, uh, and that's so that you don't mess up the other six gears. You know, we have a dedicated <laughs> gear for that. How Jeep's done it in this case is just change the whole axle ratio. So you put different gears. <laughs> you know your final drive changes and then everything changes but the problem with everything changing is your highway rpm just to maintain the speed limit you're doing over 2000 rpm in an already very loud car that's already very uncomfortable to drive on the highway but because I of think... how much wind noise there is you may not be able to hear the engine at 2000 anyway true I mean, the engines are <laughs> never that noisy um you know, at least with the JL generation, they've been a lot, yeah. they've been pretty good. But yeah, I think, I think Jeep, I don't know if Jeep really saw the Bronco coming. And I think this recon package, like this is this, this is stuff that we could slap on in the aftermarket. Right? Oh, absolutely. And inch and is, a half lift is, is nothing. And 35 yeah. is something you can fit normally with a little bit of tinkering to the fender. You can fit 37s easily on a Wrangler. So it's yeah. nothing here is game changing in terms of the numbers that it increased. It just, it's just that much better than a Bronco in stock form. But off-road people never keep a truck stock. Yeah. Like it's, it's even like... They're way more mod lenient than people that track their cars even or people that just, you know, street drive their car. Because in the off-road world, you you want to spend that money just to keep yourself safe. You don't want to get stuck anywhere. It's a it's a huge hassle. It's not talking about like a few seconds off your lap time. This is like life and death stuff. And yep. no one cheaps out with off-road. So I think this is such a band-aid for what is a fundamentally flawed car <laughs> now that the now that the bronco has 
really matured and and we've all gotten our taste of it um yeah i i mean r.i.p to jeep because that's my prediction i know the jeep has their diehard fans and jeep's been around the long they're the name that the wrangler has stayed in this off-roader game longer than anyone else they they haven't got got price out of the market or um they they've been able to make this dedicated off-road vehicle but i think people are gonna just you're gonna test drive the bronco let's say you're you're very young, you know, this is your first off-road vehicle. You're going to test drive both. And then, you know, it looks just as cool, if not cooler, because everyone already has a Wrangler. Maybe you want to try something different. Um, frankly, Ford's reliability has been better than, than anything Stellantis. They're not, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to say that Ford is amazing with their reliability, but they, they're they're pretty like they're they're reasonably yeah yeah they've been pretty solid like the their their pickup trucks have been pretty good and um their sports cars have been pretty decent too they've had a few hiccups here and there with the with the focus and the fiesta but um no i think the the smart choice is to get a bronco (laughs) at the end of the day so being the complete like i do agree with you just some points on the opposite side here. Mm-hmm. The the 392 Wrangler. I mean, we all know that's brand new. It's a Hemi V8 in a Wrangler. A bunch of engineering gone into it to, to actually house a Hemi V8 under there. Um, and that's the only vehicle that's like proper off-roader like this with the V8. I mean, yeah, Land Cruiser, kind of, but not Wrangler style. No one's taking Land Cruisers where you can take Wranglers, right? Um, and you can't get a V8 in a Ford Bronco. You can get the 2.7 or the 2.3, but not anywhere close to a 392. And there are people out there that love that Hemi V8 sound. And it doesn't matter, you know, if it drives better or not. If it accelerates better, that Hemi V8 is all they want. I mean, I've driven the JL JK. Um, but the JK is like the oldest Wrangler I've ever driven because mm. I mean that they come up they came out back in like 07 or something. The JKs were pretty bad. Um, JL's like better, but like you said, that articulating ball steering is not great. Um, I drove it from my home to Richmond, so I took the east west connector. It's essentially like five kilometers of the straight highway going like. 80, 90, 100, depending on which lane and the date. Um, <laughs> but it is a perfectly straight piece of road. But in a Jeep, that is not a straight piece of road. You're you're going left and right just to make sure you're still within the lane. Um, yeah, the so- car tram lines like no tomorrow. And <laughs> any crosswind is just – and I'm sure the oh. Bronco – the Bronco looks equally unaerodynamic. Yeah. It's <laughs> but definitely not going to be great when there's at least it's got independent front. But in the independent front suspension, will make a lot more livable day to day. But, you know, as technology progresses, we have to accept the fact that a lot of newer tech, while it may be worse in the past, it may be actually half decent now. Because, like, if we take a look at some of the, the off-road videos that you love to watch, 
um, where they were taking like the Santa Fe and whatnot off-road. In the newer Hyundai system, that H-Track, it performs really well off-road. That the standard all-wheel drive system using the ABS sensors to send power where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Like those work a lot better than, you know, systems of the past, like five, 10 years ago. What's to say that this Ford Bronco with its front independent suspension yeah. and a really good disconnect that you can disconnect when there's load won't, you know, overcome everything that the Wrangler can do. Yeah, I think they've been able to bend, and that's the thing, is that Ford was able to strike, you know, kind of like a Trojan horse. Like, they, they kind of snuck in there. You've got you've got the benchmark. The Wrangler is the benchmark, no doubt about it. And you could just build everything better. Okay, what's good about it? We need that articulation. We need the sway bar disconnect, but we're going to make ours actually work. Because the thing with the JK generation Rubicon, when they did that sway bar disconnect, guess what? If you submerge that system, mm. it's a one-time use thing. Yeah, That's how it, bad and unthought out that, that... Yeah, if you, if you went anywhere near the water, you cannot adjust your alignment. The chassis would just seize up and your sway bar disconnects no longer work. Uh, fires even, like... Like, you know, the the idea is there, but in terms of actual, not only is Ford matching them in terms of performance, but the the livability, I think, is the is the key. You know, that's why the Forerunner is still a thing. The Forerunner, off road wise, is you know not even that impressive. Even if you go up to TRD Pro, uh, a mid grade Wrangler will destroy it off road. Uh, and even like a standard FJ Cruiser from 10, 15 years ago would still destroy a new TRD Pro, but it is a very livable vehicle, and a lot of people want that. You want that off-road look and feel without that compromise, mm-hmm. and I think that's why the TRD Pro does well, and I think that's why the Bronco is going to do well. Yeah, I think the Bronco is going to do well just because of that. I mean, not everyone's able to afford you know, the perfect two car garage, or in your case, like what, eight car garage. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure, you know, those ones that the, you know, you still need to get back to work on Monday, but on the weekends, you want to have some fun. The Bronco is going to be the, a better vehicle for you than any Wrangler simply because of, you know, just the livability of it. Yeah. But let's and move it's on. Built on. It's not kind of built on a proven platform and a proven engine too yeah right the 2.7 the 2.3 these are carried over uh from existing ford trucks i wonder if the 2.3 you can tune it like you can put a cob on it like the same can absolutely tune it it's Oof. yeah and the 2.7 is already faster than a than a five liter you know interesting that you mentioned the 392 but Looking at Ford's own engines, the 2.7 is is going to beat the 5.0 with, with very slight modification in terms of acceleration, but it will destroy it with fuel economy mm-hmm. any day, hands down. I'm kind of, I'm in my head right now, I'm thinking Bronco with a verbal tune. Yeah, Bronco with some mods. <laughs> Their exhausts never sound good. Now, that's the thing with the EcoBoost engines. Hmm. The Raptor sounds terrible. You can put a loud exhaust <laughs> on it, and it just sounds even worse. Um, 
<laughs> the full the focus rs though no that's a that's a good sounding engine yeah so tech tip buy the 2.3 uh get cob to tune it and buy yeah. the exhaust that the uh, focus rs has and then get the ken block drift the handbrake the, hand the air brake i don't know what you call it um, pretty sure it was a hydraulic one yeah moving on to something proven very proven something that is very Too proven in fact very comfortable this is the lexus rx 450h this is the review that i posted on monday um super comfortable daily suv that is just great on gas and that's really it you know if you're buying this it's because it's because it's efficient because it's good overall it's reliable there's nothing really got to think about yeah that's and really it's because it you don't back. care how a car drives like you really really don't care how a car drives yeah so <laughs> lexus has the f sport model with sport tuned suspension <laughs> uh, the sport is in quotation marks because it's really not that sporty uh, it's super soft still but it's not for you know anyone that cares about how it drives it's just for a person that wants a reliable car but if you want one you probably already bought one and you probably never need to upgrade because we're yeah. talking about this before the show if you have one from 10 years ago it probably still runs perfectly fine has all the features that you still really need you don't need to upgrade <laughs> yeah that's the thing is like this car does not drive any better it's still running like older powertrain technology with slight tweaks here and there, but um, you know now we have what an eight-speed in this one. No CVT. Oh, all right, because it's a hybrid. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and you can get it in the long model. I don't think anyone really did. The the long. It's not even a long wheelbase. Um, kind of like Passport and Pilot. They just added four inches to the rear end, so you can yeah. fit that third row. But no one can fit in the third row. So, yeah, it's just like it's a good looking car, but like this costs how much? How much is this RX four fifty? So this one, as tested, is like seventy three thousand Canadian. Right, and a Highlander hybrid is fifty five, like something a decently like equipped one, maybe just under sixty. <sighs> I don't know. I just it's quiet, but it just. Like, I don't really care how a car drives. Like, if it's my A to B car, I really don't care. And I tell people about my RAV4 all the time. I'm like, if you care about how a car drives and you need a test drive and anything, that's not the car for you. You don't, this car is not for anyone who, who really gives a crap about driving dynamics. But the RX takes it one step further than the RAV4. And my RAV4 is quote unquote also sport tuned suspension. Uh, even though it's not an XSE, apparently the XLE has. So, but we'll get. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is still a joke. And the RX is just like, to me, driving this car is just, it's just too bulbous. It's too clumsy. Like clumsy is the word I want to describe. It it's so clumsy to the to the point that I I feel like I will hit stuff in it. Because you fall asleep um, while driving? You fall asleep while driving, and you can't really, like, it's it's very, uh, the front end kind of just dips down, and you can't really tell where the corners of your car are. Uh, I think this is 
been an RX issue since the third gen RX. Um, well, actually, got, no, it's only the previous gen. You got a 360 camera, gen. so there's nothing to worry about. You get a 360 camera when you're parking, but when you're driving and just like changing lanes and stuff, mm. well, let's face it, you don't change lanes in this car. You, no, you, you stay in the left the lane at the speed limit, and then, yeah. and, and that's what you do with an RX. Like, it's just, it, it bugs me that this is like the best seller in this in the mid-size luxuries <laughs> like it just how how little do you care and you know what their re their their resale is not even that strong anymore that, the older ones aren't bad the um, older ones are amazing then that that's kind of always been the selling point right is you get an rx because a 10 year old mercedes ml gle bmw x5 that's not going to be worth anything and nowadays you look at like a 2015 rx and they're not really that strong they're not yeah. outperforming the germans even <clears throat> um one thing yeah, that no. is really nice about the rx um is the interior so there are some people that hate touchscreen so like this rx is like the anti-tesla so like the tesla teslas they don't have any buttons inside right like it's mm -hmm. it's all touchscreen but this has almost a button for everything that you really need all the climate controls there you got your radio controls in the center like you have a lot of buttons in here so if you're a fan of buttons most manufacturers are going away from that but the rx you still got plenty so you know that's something <laughs> yeah and you could get yeah like a 2017 rx 350 is under 40 grand which i think now that was never the case before like a a few years old uh just out of warranty car which warranty like we mentioned before the show not a huge deal typically with a car like this because it's you don't need it. it's old tech that even 10 years ago was reliable it's only better now yeah you really don't uh, need a warranty with a lexus <laughs> don't buy certified pre-owned lexus and <laughs> you're just wasting money Lexi, yeah <laughs> but to me I, I look at the nx the new nx we talked about recently i'm like Okay, that that I get. Yeah. Like I totally get choosing an NX over an RDX or whatever Infinity makes these days. And <laughs> UX50. And even over the German competitors. But this just when you're spending this kind of money, like can you just like care a little bit more about what you're getting? <laughs> like ah, I don't know. I think it's, you know, in the long run, if you buy an RX, you use it for 20 odd years, you're going to get your money's back from it because of how reliable it is overall, how much fuel you're saving, especially with this hybrid variant. Yeah. And it costs um, about the same as a Camry to maintain. Yeah. Like that's, that's the best part. And Lexus, I mean, they do put a lot of attention and making the, the vehicle quieter. Like the cabin is whisper quiet compared to Highlander. Highlander, like it's good, but it's not this good. It's mm -hmm. nowhere near as good as this. The MVH and this is just like substantially better. Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like special. It definitely doesn't way. feel special. Yeah. It doesn't. It's far from special, but it's something. It's something for someone that may care about things that As you and I really that don't care about. Someone that has a lot of money, like, it's not a cheap vehicle. Like, you're spending no. over $70,000. Like, get something that, like, just makes your day a little bit 
You're so against it. I love it. I, I the RX is my is one of my least favorite cars. I a Lexus Lexus with their old school powertrains is like even though this is the hybrid model, but uh the RX three fifty especially I, I don't like. Um I just don't like what it stands for. You must I, hate I the don't GS. like I, I must hate what? The GS. Oh well the GS see the GS doesn't sell. See I can't be mad about <laughs> I can't be mad about a mediocre car that doesn't sell. <laughs> That no one wants. Yeah, but this one, people love it. And it's just like, uh, why? Like, what is this? And I've driven, like, every year. And I used to like them. Like, like an 05, I thought that was, like, pretty nice. Like, uh, the overall fit and finish, like, damn, that is a nice car. And that car felt kind of futuristic at the time. Like an 06 RX 330 or... 350 when they first started rolling out the 350s mm. um yeah those are nice cars and then even the generation after but this i guess the fourth generation it's just to me it is the laziest of them all and it is just the epitome of of toyota and lexus phoning it in because they have a product a proven product that they know will sell regardless of how uncompelling and how little they invest into it okay so and i yeah let me ask you this i mean if i was to want a luxury hybrid suv what else is there if you're leasing at this price point don't worry about fuel economy no no i want to buy i want to i want to buy a luxury hybrid suv Right, I I don't what, know what's what available. A Cayenne is so much more expensive, but a Cayenne is see the Cayenne is so nice. Like you, I think people <laughs> who drive this have never even even get into a base Cayenne, like a V6 base model. Yeah, but or whatever it is. But I'm looking for a a reliable luxury hybrid SUV. I think the hybrid hybrid is a moot point. Yeah, because. You're spending seventy, eighty thousand dollars. An extra thousand dollars a year of gas is not going to kill you. Yeah, but you know, the 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 company pays for the car, but they don't pay for the gas. Really special <laughs> company. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very special scenario that yeah. only the the RX four fifty H fits into. Yeah. I feel like the Lexus, like this, is the epitome of someone that doesn't cross shop. Because if you drive any, even an MDX, like even an MDX, I think feels more special and like, especially that new one. The, the new, new one, MDX like, really yeah, good. it's just like the, the interior is is more unique. Uh, I think there's just more character to that. Um, yeah, but it's you definitely like have not experienced. I think I think that is that is what what frustrates me is that you have not experienced other cars if you buy this and this is this is the, the way you go it's just like that tells me how little you know and how you treat it like you're buying it an appliance i think the only other hybrid suv around that definitely not that price range um is the x drive 45 e from x5 or bmw i should say um like yes this is more the one i tested was like 100k but you don't have to spend that like this is probably like 
if you are looking for a good hybrid SUV, this comes with a plug as well, which is great. Um, I think the BMW is definitely a, a much better solution overall than the Lexus. But it doesn't matter. People are still going to buy Lexus. People ones. are still going to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. You can make... You can make the rest of the world better, but it's just like, it's just like if I take my grandma to, I don't know, I can take her to to Rome, and she will still look for where can she get the crappy Chinese food, <laughs> and that there will always be that crappy Chinese food restaurant in 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 middle of nowhere Italy because there are people like my grandma because yeah. they will not eat anything but rice, even if it's like. <laughs> the crappiest thing and it's like well this is this is a uh, paella it's, <laughs> it's no they just focus on one thing and you just you just shut out to to the whole the world around you whole world anything else just that one yeah and that's what the lexus rx is for <laughs> that's that's really glowing <laughs> glowing review of the uh, lexus rx I mean, it's like I said. I said it in the review. It's made is made for those who want just a reliable luxury SUV that you don't have to think about. If you but care isn't about that an oxymoron? There, like, it's good for those people that want that A to B, but it's also like seventy something thousand dollars and a luxury vehicle. Quote yeah, about. it's it's a little bit of that image as well, right? Yeah, I, I know people that have a Lexus RX, and I asked them why. Like they're like, oh, it's a. Well, I was looking at the Highlander, but it's not a luxury brand. Yeah, and I know people brand. that will drive like a twenty-year-old Lexus RX over a new Rav4 <laughs> because yeah. they think to them it's more luxurious. Because didn't one of your friends do that? <laughs> uh, oh, I don't think that was over luxury. It was just like oh, okay. it was cheap. And <laughs> it was cheap and it, it runs. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah. It... <sighs> Yeah, there's no real reason why if you like cars, you'll buy it. It's it's just because a Highlander doesn't have a luxury badge. That's what it comes down to. Because technically speaking, the Highlander is on a newer platform. Yeah, This is the TNGA thing. It has a better hybrid system. It's more fuel efficient, like a lot more fuel it's efficient. Way bigger inside. It's bigger inside. You get a better vehicle overall, but there are some yeah. not great materials in the Highlander, like yeah. we talked about previously. So it's, the it's answer, minimal. the answer is really Genesis. Please step up your game <laughs> real fast. You need that GV80 hybrid, and. I need you to wipe Lexus off the face of the earth. Well, at least the RX three fifty. Like they, this car is so old now too. It's five years old now, and they're still they're still the bestseller. Like that's <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah. So the answer is Genesis. Please just undercut the crap out of them. Do better because it is a better car. Like a GV eighty versus an RX three fifty. I I would already. I don't even yeah. like Genesis as a brand, but I like that car better than the, RX. The GV80, if they made a hybrid variant or a plug-in hybrid, it's going to cost yeah. too much. Yeah, looks better, drives better, and that's about it. Yeah. Anyways, anything else you want to add? No, I'm too mad. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, never, never to uh, bring up Lexus RX again. Maybe we'll talk about the Lexus IS next time, and you could get mad about that. Uh, I get <laughs> mad at that every day. I stare at it every day. <laughs> in any case thank you so much for watching today and uh thanks for tuning in we'll uh catch you next week in some more automotive news take care everyone too mad to say bye i guess eh yeah yeah just that's it